In this episode of Book Lover Brothers, okay, I just made that up, but I'll roll with it. We talk about the fantastic body of work that is Demon Copperhead, written by Barbara Kingsolver. We discuss not only how wonderful a book this is, because it clearly is, more why we think so, and how it is so cleverly intertwined with David Copperfield by Charles Dickens, and at the same time, not so much. It's great, as always, to have my brother Greg to bounce thoughts and recollections off of, and also to gauge the somewhat nuanced alternative view that he so readily espouses. Thanks, Greg. Two and a mic, clocking out. Enjoy. As this is a book review episode, I'm joined by my older brother, Greg. Greg, how are you doing? I'm very well, and how are you? Good, thanks, good. Uh, thank you very much for making the time. Um, obviously, most of the time that you have contributed to this particular episode occurred before the episode. Um, but you're going to explain how that worked out, aren't you? Mm, no, I'm going to plan to explain yourself. What do you mean? You're going to tell me what book you were reading, you Muppet. Oh, was that? <laughs> I didn't realize I was reading a book. Um, okay, so we did... Well, you kind of laid this on me last time, if you recall. You, you, oh, you said, you said I, I need, I need to come up with a book by a female author because we hadn't done a female. So, um, and so I came up with Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Yep. Um, and uh, for those who have not read it, this is a co-recipient of the 2023 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction, um, and it also won the 2023 Women's Prize for Fiction. Um, but that's not what necessarily inspired you to suggest it is it no it, it's because it's, it's lucy doffing a cap to a book that we both loved when we read which we read many many years ago by charles dickens um and it's an interesting take on that book <laughs> very interesting um and that's david copperfield um and this is demon copperhead obviously the initials are there to, to, to help you along but um it's it's although it definitely gives a nod to to the great book um it's very different at the same time there were quite so many f-bombs that i remember from david copperfield as there are in demon copperhead and it, it yeah it, it's a very much an up-to-date take um based in the southern states the deep southern states of america and if, if you if you like in a way um comparing um life as it is or as it was in the 1990s maybe early 2000s in those states as compared to sort of Victorian London um, the, as the life which was which, which which met Mr. Copperfield. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting take as well. I mean, I, I there's um, I don't know if this occurs in any other country in Germany. They've got this Unwort des Jahres, which is called the non word of the year. And basically this began in uh, 1991. And every year they have a non word of the year, which basically changes a word from its original intention to suggest something which is a pejorative or it's slightly or very misleading in a certain way. And 
what the reason why I'm talking about this is because by looking through the list of those words per year, you can kind of use it as a, an indicator as to what kind of things occurred in that period of time. And people who read Charles Dickens would probably in general, I think, but I mean, in the case of David Copperfield, because what I recall when I was reading David Copperfield was one minute I'm laughing my head off. The next minute I'm bawling my eyes out. Mm. Um, and people would probably then read these kinds of books if they are indeed anywhere near as good uh, as as that one uh, and probably consider those times as being uh, extremely topsy turvy, depending very much on the individual fortunes of a family that they could be joyous in many ways, but at the same time, extremely problematic and troublesome and bordering on the outright injustices of a time uh, criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the same token, as you say, Demon Copperhead gives us a very intricate, a very emotional description of life in the Appalachian Mountains of Virginia in the period in the 20 years, more or less, that you suggest. And by, I suppose, looking, reading these books, you really do get a sense of exactly the kind of lifestyle certain kinds or certain sections of a community may expect. I love the fact that you you bring up straight away this, the difference. Um, So let's talk about the style difference, because I think that's extremely important. Are you happy that the uh, the book written by Barbara Kingsolver is significantly different to Charles Dickens' classic? It's it's incredibly different. It's I I think we we we've discussed this ourselves outside of the, the podcast, but um, it was certainly my favourite Dickens book, David Copperfield, and that's what drew me to this. Um, I have I hadn't read I haven't read it for twenty five years, but I can still remember the feel the feeling I got from parts parts of that book it, it was it was it wasn't an easy read in any way shape or form because as you say one moment you're elated and the next you're really you're you're, you're really depressed by what's happening to if and not just the main character there are other characters in the book who you really get invested with um and it, it, it's it's an absolute journey david copperfield and i think that's what is similar in demon copperhead is it, it's a similar it's quite a similar journey that the character goes on um, and of course, it's told from the point of view of Demon many, many years later, remembering back to what was happening. Um, so it, 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 it's. Um, but there and there, I think the similarities end because it, 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 it's very much talking to us, to, to an audience of today, um, not just in terms of the problems that the, the Demon may have visited upon him and visited upon himself, um, but the language the things that are going on around him, the history, the you know, the things which are brought up and references made within within the narrative are are very much of its time, meaning you know the 1990s and noughties. And I love that aspect of it, and and the, the humour in it, the humour in, in in the thought the thought processes going through Demon's mind, the, the things he thought about what was going on around him, happening to him, so much of the time. The things that happen to him are dreadful, and yet he finds the funny side of things to talk about. He, the way he describes, obviously Barbara, describing the things that are going on in his mind, I thought that was beautiful. I, 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 that is, you know, it, it's very, very 
interestingly written in that way and 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 beautifully so yep yeah definitely and uh, yeah greg uh, just dropped the pencil there because he was making some important notes um yeah i completely agree with you. i haven't actually taken down many quotations from the book but i've taken one one very short one uh because i think and now's a good time to read it because it it, it exactly expresses what you say so uh, at a certain stage in demon's development as a young adult he has a certain amount of success um, but he defines that success thus I was the same worthless turd as ever, just a turd that could catch a 30-yard pass. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, as you say, there are there are lots of little bits which exhibit the humour given to this character by Barbara Kingsolver, and it is mm-hmm. it's wonderful. I loved listening to the way that um, he refers to himself. This inherent humility that he has yeah self-deprecating to the extreme um but just to touch on what you said as well about the difference between demon copperhead and david copperfield i love the difference because it still shows immense originality on behalf of barbara kingsolver Mm. i think when you are I see when people, for example, want to do a, a recreation or a redramatization of Shakespeare, the, the original material is in itself so o- overbearing, so powerful that they kind of get drawn up in the vortex and it's very difficult to then communicate originality. I, I would say Charles Dickens and other kinds of classic authors who have the same sort of ability and genius that he had would also be similarly difficult to not replicate but base your own work from um but not to be lost within the genius of the original author i think barbara has shown by doing the work that she has done she's exhibited her own genius and at the same time given me enough reference points back to charles dickens book that i can almost relive that as as a side effect of being thoroughly engrossed in this enthralling work that yeah. she has produced and as you say i mean it's a hell of a journey it is it, it is a it is a hell of a journey and just I, there are a few references that i've noted down which um again show the humility from one point of view but also his the the, the knack of being able to take a it's horribly dark situation and find something funny within it that when he was younger i don't want to put spoilers of course but um the early part of the book when he was um finding life very difficult and he he didn't have very much to go to go on he was a very young man very young boy in fact and he would find himself in scenarios where he wouldn't get fed and there was one time where he gets taken i believe to a farm um the, the tobacco farm um and there was a he, he, he gets himself into a kitchen and he says the kitchen had a rank cooking smell somewhere between feet and bacon. And even <laughs> that was making me hungry. <laughs> I mean, I just love that. It's just, it just, he, he was, you know, it, it beautifully describes the terror, the, the terrible condition he, he would find himself in. And yet the humor with which that's dealt. I've got to say, I just love that. Yeah. So I think, People listening to this will say, OK, I still have no idea what the book is about, but it sounds bloody cool because 
we've <laughs> we've expressed the genius um, of uh, Barbara Kingsolver pretty clearly there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the plot. So uh, Demon Copperhead um, or Demon Fields as he was born. His mother is very young. Um, she lives in a trailer home. Uh, his father is nowhere to be seen. He dies, I believe, while uh, Demon's still inside his mother. Um, and so therefore has absolutely zero opportunity of getting to know who his father was. So Demon is born into this life where his mum is uh, an alcoholic, um, a drug abuser. She loves him to bits, but has these demons, these addictions and then afterwards, there are obviously problems which develop in relationships that the mother has with um, her future partner. Um, but also, Demon, because of the situation with his mum, he finds solace um, in uh, familiarising himself, becoming more or less a, a family member um, with the Peggots. Um, but they have their own issues. They have their own family problems. And so he kind of finds himself in different situations, all problematic. And yet at the same time, he manages to take these steps forward in life, developing himself, having a really nuanced perspective of society. And in many ways, he's kind of his social persona, I would say, is better developed from the perspective of tolerance, from the perspective of respect for diversity than a lot of people mm -hmm. who had never experienced any kind of problem and had lived very privileged lifestyles. And I, I think this is also a fascinating characteristic which uh, King Solver has given her main character here. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I, but you, you do see that borne out in life as well, where um, through through adversity, character is developed. I mean, that that happens. You know, if, if someone if someone has no adversity in their life, perhaps it it, it, it things are too easy. Then um, perhaps it, it in some circumstances it can it can lead to um, um, less development in character, should we say? Um, but mm. I I agree with you. The character demon develops through his journey is a nuanced one, but also very deep. His, and, and, and his inner monologues are very interesting to, to read. I really do love that mm. part of the book. Yeah. Uh, another thing which we should also point out. So we both listened to the audiobook, And I loved the, the narration. Um, but it, it wasn't without its challenges, shall we no, say. So, no. um, yeah. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Well, initially, I did find the accent very um a little difficult to, to, to sort of penetrate. It took a while for me to do that. It's probably it's probably more my ears getting used to the, the Southern States draw, which which the whole narrative was delivered in. It's worth persevering with because once you do get get through that, the story is actually enhanced by that. I think ultimately, um, and I can see why the narrator did that because you, you know if um if this kid from the deep Southern States were to sound like he was born in the west of London, it probably, probably, it probably wouldn't be quite the same read. And it, it must also be pointed out that the narrator, Charlie Thurston, has significantly altered his voice in narrating this piece. And I, I went to do a bit of a search. So he's done a lot of work. He's also an actor. Um, he also writes. 
And here's another review which he has selected on his website re with regards to this book. And somebody else reviewed it, and it's from Audiophile. And they say nearly everyone in this story is from Lee County, so accents don't vary much. But Thurston manages to suggest all the major characters with subtle shifts of timber, and he keeps Damon's sad narrative from sounding like whining. Now, that for me is quite significant because... Mm -hmm. In many cases, if somebody else had narrated it and the amount of shit that happened to Damon, it could really have sounded like whining. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's very that easy. Was very upbeat. Yeah. I agree. I suspect, you know, because it's an inner narrative, um, you don't really whine internally to yourself. I, you know, and, and certainly not within it's not within his character at the time that he'd have been putting setting this down within Damon's own mind. So it, it certainly um, works with the character that we get to know as, as demon. Yeah. And as I haven't read the book, so therefore I can't give my own personal interpretation to the words written by King Solver. But recently I've, when I associate main characters with a kind of storyline, a specific storyline, um, then I think about all of the different dynamics involved within that and inherent within that. I think about Katniss Ebedine in Hunger Games. Um, I think about Frodo. Mm -hmm. um, and more recently, I thought about Aragorn. Now, Katniss Ebedine, as is written in the book, I found to be a bit whiny. But in the movie, uh, by when she's, when she's played by Lawrence, I think it's fantastic, the balance mm -hmm. that is brought to the character. When I look at, when I read the book about uh, the, um, the Lord of the Rings, in the book, I thought the character was measured. In the movie, I thought Frodo was a whiny git. And I was hoping that those knights or those uh, dead kings would catch him. Um, and it's quite strange at the moment, as I'm reading or going through Aragorn, I kind of find Aragorn's character to be a bit whiny too. So I agree with this because at no point while listening to the narration of uh, Demon Copperhead, did I think Demon was a whiny git. No, at no point no, whatsoever. No, no he, he, he comes across very much as having, as being completely accepting of his own lot. And in some, in some senses, almost feeling like he was to blame for what was going on around him, even though, even when he was a child, um, he, he would accept a fair significant chunk of the blame, regardless of the fact that he was a child, none of those things should have been happening to him. Um, it, it, you know, it, we, we, we can witness it from the outside and feel sorry for the character ourselves, but you don't feel that coming from him. Also, because I, I, I don't want to do any spoilers um, or give out any spoilers, because I really would love for people to um, have their own, draw their own impressions from the work and experience it for themselves. I found King Solver to have presented not just a piece of fiction which had a magical story of its own with, you know, obviously references back to David Copperfield, um, but on top of that, she was communicating significant social and political messages Absolutely. throughout. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I agree. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I, no, I was, I was going to ask you, because no, I was going to ask you actually, as in what, what, significantly, what stood out for you? I, 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 there's, there's an extract which I, which I noted down from the book, because it was, it was significant. And I think what she was trying to do is 
um, is give a nod towards the history of that region. Um, and to, for people to understand why I, certain, certainly people from deep South America are, are viewed from outside, not whether within America as a whole or even further afield, like, say, from Europe, as a certain type of people. Um, and they're often looked down upon. Um, and it, I, I think in reading this book, you, you, you get to, as much as anything else, almost understand a little bit about where they've come from. And, where, and how they've got to where they are through demons characterization. And to, to read a little bit from the book uh, to, to show you the language which, which illustrates this. Um, what do they mean by union? Men calling a strike, the company calling out the army to get them back to work. Miners saying, you know what, we've got guns too. 20,000 miners organizing themselves into battalions, wearing red bandanas around their necks to identify they're on the same side. Mr. Armstrong said the term rednecks, that goes back to the red bandanas that they wore. The mining companies bought up towns whole, schools and hospitals and all. Schools were allowed to rot. You didn't need any special education to mine. Our world made some terrible kind of sense. Our dads at home drinking beer in their underwear, mums at their grocery with their snap coupons. The army recruiters in shiny gold buttons looking to harvest their jackpot of hopeless futures. God damn. I didn't do the justice, the justice to the accent at the end there, but that that <laughs> that was that was just a, a short excerpt um, of what he'd learnt by in one small portion of his life where he'd stayed with one of the characters that he encounters. And it, it kind of leads there's a there's a devastation that's taken place in the areas that he's from and it has led to in their mind what is happening around them um and the locals understand it's it's, it's an unspoken truth for them what, what has happened what has happened in these mining these old mining communities in these in you know in, in these parts of the states which through no fault of their own have been left derelict for generations and that has so it you know the things don't happen these consequences of things um, have their sources in history, and we may not know those histories, but I think she's done a, a, a really lovely job of interweaving them into her narrative. Absolutely, um, and, and these are things which I can pick up on and also use in many ways to describe certain kinds of realities that I uh, I experienced growing up in the UK. Um, and these are political realities which we see occurring right now. You can see a significantly uh, wealthy London and Southeast in the UK, and yet other parts of uh, of Britain are perhaps um, underdeveloped or they haven't received the investment that they were promised and, and so on. And you really see this play out. And in this book, what is significant is that they highlight the, the dangers of not investing in education. They highlight what the consequences of that could be. But they also show people very clearly some of the elements, some of the problems that capitalism has created. Because it goes into a certain area, it exploits that area, it manipulates the people, it takes away everything that it can. And then at the end, they send in the army recruiters and they take whatever is left. Mm-hmm. And I'm, 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 I, I had a, a podcast with Tatiana last week where we were talking about COP28 and, and we, we, we kind of talk about how 
about capitalism and so on. And there are many different perspectives. And we're going to do um, another podcast where we talk about the differences between capitalism and socialism. And, and, and we're going to argue our varying perspectives on that. But, but I think this book points out perfectly some of the problems that you have when society is completely dependent on the market. If you allow the market to regulate itself completely, then you are not going to have a balanced society. And if anybody mm -hmm. thinks that the market can self-regulate in a manner which will lead to innovation, that will lead to sustainability, that will lead to economic growth, that will lead to social justice, that will lead to dignity, that will lead to a fair democracy, then they are really fooling themselves and nobody else. I agree. I agree. I, I, first of all, I'd like, to, I'd like to see where a fair democracy exists. Um, <laughs> I've, not, I've not really come across one as yet. But um, certainly, you're right, you're right in what you say about uh, markets which police themselves. They don't work. I mean, you, if, if, you, if, you, if you look at what's happened in the, um, in the financial markets in, in New York and London, uh, and just, just how much corruption that exists there, which you know was partly highlighted in 2008, but we know is continuing still, whether to a greater or a small smaller degree, we won't know for many years to come. But at some point in the future, we will. <laughs> yep. We'll experience this all again. So is, is that that's. But in fairness, if if we were to look at um, what's happening in let's say Russia right now, and you see devastation from what what happens is the communist era broke down. What happened in those years, say, up to and leading to the current incumbent taking power and what he's done since. And now he's sending his own guys with shiny buttons to hoover up the detritus of what's left and send those and send those to die in Ukraine. The, the world has, has moved on, but things haven't changed. Definitely. No, no I agree. And um, I, I would not want to sit anywhere and simply say socialism is the answer because socialism in itself is not the answer. Um, there are many different forms of political systems which can prioritize dignity, fairness, equality, and they are not all traditional socialist views. There needs to be a combination of different interests and different political ideologies, um, but they need to have shared sense of community respect and dignity. And at the moment, what we can see quite clearly, just looking at our failed politicians, is patience, tolerance, respect, understanding. These are things which no longer exist no. within a politicized society. No. And um, when people see their leaders doing what they do, then they can start to justify what they themselves wish to do and, you know, uh, principles be damned. Um, we need to get yeah. back, I think, to, to a time when politicians took the long view Rather than saying what's going to get me elected this year, next year or in three years time, actually doing things that are going to improve the lot of the country after they're gone. So that it's not it's not just about winning the next election. We're so trapped in, a, in short term thinking within our governments that in the UK in particular, I'm, I'm, I'm aiming this. We know that they're going to call an election at some point later this year. Um, and, you know, now they're thinking about which tax cuts they can try and shoehorn in to their, to their next statement in order to try and win a few votes to see if they can get some seats. That's all the deep thought is going into winning a few votes. 
And it's got nothing to do with bettering the country, making making lives of, of the population better, improving schools, improving hospitals, policing, any of that. None of that means a thing. It's just getting seats in Parliament. That's all they care about. And I think we need to, we need to move away from that somehow and, and to have them work together, the different parties, if necessary. But I, I can't see it happening and I can't see it happening well because recent history has taught us that they, they just they just won't do it. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah, and um, yeah, we haven't lost ourselves completely from the uh, the review of the book because, in many ways, these are the topics which flow beneath the the general theme, the general plot, all the way through. There is, for example, a very significant portion of the book dedicated to drug abuse, mm. um, and about how the pharmaceutical industry, through many corrupt means, has taken control of medical provisions and solutions within poorer communities and forgetting, not even considering the potential damage that this is doing to those who become addicted to their medication. They don't give a shit. Mm. It's just basically pumping out uh, tablets and medicines and stuff. And people are uh, are taking these just to, to forget about the world in which they live, because that's the only way they can deal with what they have to deal with. So. Yeah. All of these various different forms of capitalism, all of these various different forms of corruption, um, these different ways of managing a community or mismanaging a community are constantly referred to um, within the story. And in fact, something which we're also seeing play out in the UK, it's been playing out in the US for ages because the American health system is ridiculous. But I mean, we could see at the moment with regards to the NHS right now, a lot of doctors are crying out because of these uh, practitioner assistants, which are being perhaps promoted above doctors because it's easier to train them, even though they're not qualified doctors. And doctors are crying out saying, look, this is taking people away from a system which they can trust. This is destroying that system. It's creating a, a, a two tier system, which essentially will no longer be fit for purpose. And throughout the book, there is a nurse who is doing whatever she can to try to improve the lot for the people. And it's really tough. And she has to deal with hatred. She has to deal with angry addicts. And she's trying to say to them, look, I'm trying to help you, but the system is against me. Um, and, and I see this playing out on social media day in, day out. There are so many nice people who are saying unpopular things, who are fighting against the flow of capitalism within their branch, within their sector, um, and it's extremely tough. And when I read a book like this, where everything is laid out in in such a an emotional and challenging way, I I, I have to sit back and and obviously applaud the author, um, but at the same time I thought to myself, this book and David Copperfield both have to be absolutely mandatory reading for kids in schools. Yeah, the language is one for the kids have to be growing up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I just think a nine or ten year old would make of some of the language consent contained within this book and you know, the ideas would just be too too much for them. But yes, I, I, I suspect from the age of fourteen or fifteen it would be it would be a, a very good book for for children to take on maybe do get david copfield when, when they're when they're perhaps a couple of years younger and then progress to this later yeah 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's one scene in the the book which pushed me to the limits of my frustration, which is when he he's first decided to run away and he ends up in this petrol station. Oh, please. <laughs> that was unbelievable. That's a tough, uh, that's, a that, tough that's a tough five minutes. <laughs> I, I tell you, uh, really, even now thinking about it, the sheer injustice of the situation. Yeah. Uh, it made me in some ways cringe. On the other hand, that is the one point in the book where I wanted to throw it against the wall. Yeah, I didn't because it was actually an audio book and it was my mobile phone. But that was, that was the one point. And if you remember, whenever we've talked about Pillars of the Earth. Yeah, yeah that's what you said about that all the time. Yeah. I all the way through, yeah, as in yeah, that, that, that cringe, that cringy feeling you get when you know the injustice and there's nothing they can do about it. And you know what's coming and you know that they're going to get stuffed. That that goes all the way through Pillars of Death. Yeah. But I mean, I, 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 as you know, I love that for all of that feeling that you got for it. I, I just thought that was so beautiful. And this is similarly beautiful. And you're right. That is the one section. I mean, in fairness, most of his young life. It's a bit like that, where he doesn't really have any choice, whether it's well, whether it's sleeping in, in a back room of a of a house where the, the floorboards, the floorboards are about to give way and he's, he's sleeping with the dog. Or if he's if he's in a barn with loads of our kids working on a tobacco farm in order to, it just in order to, you know, to sustain themselves through 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 a summer. All of these things are done to him um, as a child. And it, it, it's all very unfair. And. and, and that's why when you get those moments of respite, when he becomes the, you know, this swan, when he gets to university and his in college and, and um, or everyone loves him and lords him for that brief period until tragedy befalls him again. And then he gets mixed up with the opioids and, and the drugs and stuff. And, you know, those highs and lows, they are significant highs and significant lows and but they have to be in order for his character to, to, to grow through them and for the journey that, that you know, Barbara puts him through. I want to talk a lot more about it, but I'm I'm afraid of giving away too many spoilers. I know. There are there are significant characters within this book which very clearly refer back to characters within David yes. Copperfield. Yes. Um I'm not necessarily going to go through them, but there's the one in particular which jumps out at me uh is the Macob family yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah um i obviously found the mccorbers mccorbers because it's mainly mr but the mccorbers to be much more likable than yes the very much so very yeah? much so yes yeah. yes i mean the McCorb the mccorbers similarly mr mccorber was um from my from memory he was not a great businessman, was he? he, he, was, <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't. And that certainly carried on to the McCobbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Indeed. And in fact, yeah, okay, Mr. McCobb, he, he actually plays quite an important role because he, he indirectly does something which leads to a lot of other things occurring. And that's very um, important for, for the story. It's not really told in such a momentous way, as in, but it does identify the role that <laughs> Mr. McCobb plays in, um, and, and Demon refers to that too. So yeah, there are so many things. Um, it, it refers a lot to continued racism within society. It talks about the impact teachers can have on youth 
it talks about how adults, if they go that extra mile, can really significantly increase uh, a child's ability to deal with the world, to deal with adulthood, to deal with the problems that they may face when they grow up and have responsibilities of their own. It talks about gender equality. It talks about consideration for people with different sexualities. Um, there are so many social issues that we face today coming up as common themes within the book in such a refreshing positive manner and yes. i really like that i yeah. really appreciated it that that positivity is all within demon's mind so what you're with the positivity that, you're, that we're getting as the reader is delivered through the personality of someone who's been through so much and yet remains positive and non-judgmental shall we say of almost anything that he's presented with and he doesn't he doesn't uh, kick out at other people. He doesn't um, turn his own um, misfortunes into an opportunity to criticize others who are perhaps not so well represented within society. As in, you know, he defends people because they deserve to be defended. Mm-hmm. He doesn't allow them to be knocked down. Um, and he may be down himself. But he will get on his knees to protect another person. And and I loved that about the character. And I and I see such a need nowadays in people who we are not all privileged. We don't all have the opportunities that other people do. But I don't begrudge other people that. But what I definitely will not do is if I see somebody else who was also born working class like us, who suddenly receives something I'm not going to say they don't deserve it. Why didn't I get it? No, I don't have that envy for other people. I I truly wish them all the best. And what I see from from Demon is that exact same thing. He is not he doesn't begrudge anyone anything. He's not envious of that. He doesn't live his life with any kind of I wouldn't say regret necessarily, but at least he can deal with it in his own way. That's 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 what you get from. Um, the way that his thoughts are put down on the page. That's what you get from Dew. I, I, I agree. I, th- I, th- I think he, he, even through adversity, he sees he sees the good in other people, and he sees he sees a lot of positivity from everything that he went through, um, and and how and how he was able to learn from those things. So uh, yeah, I, I, it, it's a very positive book in that way, dis- despite the negativity around the characters yeah um, and, and and i i agree i agree as well with um the characterizations of the the nods to david copfield it's not just the cops there are others but interestingly i think as well there are there are there are very few people in the book that the demon identifies as, as an enemy as it were or someone he really go first of all his stepdad of course is probably the first one there are times when he's really when he's really very negative about his mum and his experiences and i think the one person he really blames is his mum for what happened to him when he was very young and I, I think what he means or barbara's setting down that he means by that is that she allowed herself to fall victim to these things wasn't strong enough to do it for him wasn't strong enough to not be caught and and, and um, caught by the alcoholism and and substance abuse and allow that to take her from him so early that she wasn't able to protect him from the things that came to be. 
So I, I think he, you, you really get that, you know, when, when he's thinking about his mum, there's this really juxt, great juxtaposition. He feels a pure and honest, deep-seated love for her, and yet he really is angry with her for what's happened to him and how she wasn't there to protect him. Uh, I, I really got I really got that sort of sense from what was being delivered. I, I, and that's, that's understandable, and, and I, I really like that. Um, yeah, I think people listening to this will probably get a sense um, that we enjoyed the book. So therefore, I'm going to ask you the completely ridiculous question, which I always ask you is, yep, yeah, would you recommend this to others? I, I really would. I, I, I think some some books I've said in the past that it would be if, if you like this sort of thing, you'll like it. I'd say almost everyone should read this. I, I can't I can't imagine anyone not either enjoying enjoying it as a book or enjoying a story or enjoying a language. It's got so many positive, good elements to it that I think everyone would 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 get something from this. Possibly not a bedtime story for a for a nine year old, but anyone <laughs> a little bit older than that would definitely would definitely enjoy this book. Yeah, no, no, I completely agree with that. I, I would also recommend that fascists, right wing extremists, capitalists, people who are uh, who are in a situation where they don't give a damn about other people and communities, they should definitely read this. Because I think they might learn something. Is that how you get on your podcast? Is something I should learn? No, 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 no. I, I, I think most. I had a discussion the other day with somebody, and uh, as soon as they saw that I, <laughs> I espouse socialist principles, they blocked me. Um, oh really? Yeah, they just said, "I'm not going to talk to you because you're a socialist." And I was like, "Okay, cool, fair enough." Um, I, I hadn't even said anything to the guy. I was in, I as in rude. <laughs> I said to him, I asked him to tell me why he thought my source of information was wrong and what, in his opinion, justified a good source of information. He just said, no, not going to do it. You're a socialist. Blocked. Um, but I, I think the reason why I said that they should read this is because it's important to get different perspectives. Yeah, I, I, I follow a couple of right wing uh, accounts on social media because it's important to understand what these people are talking about and I have to say it's the most difficult thing for me sometimes to read some of the crap they come out with but it's important to try to understand these perspectives uh, I think the same isn't done the other way around and this is why I think this book is so phenomenally important in the messaging that it gives out in the way it gives that messaging um, it communicates the, the these important uh, aspects of society uh, and absolutely love it glad we agree yeah yeah it's 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 quite rare for us to disagree on these kinds of things it seems i haven't yet read a book which you haven't liked um and so um yeah that's uh, that's interesting okay so it's my turn i think to recommend a book and i don't know if you've read it yet but uh i'm going to suggest it because i love the story um but also because there's a tv series coming out in at the end of march on netflix Okay. And it's basically based on this book. So it's called The Three-Body Problem uh, by Xi Jin Liu, who's a Chinese author. Um, have you read it? No. Fantastic. Okay. You're gonna you're in for a treat because okay. uh, this, for me, is one of the best science fiction books ever written. Okay. Um, so we'll just do the first book. Obviously, I'm not going to ask you to do the whole, tri- <laughs> whole trilogy. Is it just the um, first body? Uh, no, I'm not going to reveal anything, <laughs> anything about that. Um, you'll understand what I mean um, okay. when you read it. So and you've already read this, have you? I've already read it, but I read it many, many years ago, and I'm going to go back and do it again uh, okay. because uh, I just love it. Um, and also, as I say, it's coming out on Netflix. And so it will be great if we could do one of our reviews 
before it comes out. So uh, that's a bit of time pressure on you. You got about two months. Okay. Should be manageable. No, no pressure there at all. <laughs> he said. <laughs> good. 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 Cool. All right. Um, yeah, Greg, as always, I, I truly appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I love the running commentary that we have while we're both reading a book. Where are you? Are you here? I'm here. Oh, no, what's going on? So hurry up, mate. Um, I think that's also an entertaining part of the background story. Um, so I'm I look glad forward that's not to that. shared. <laughs> <laughs> no, I should I should actually do a, a copy and paste. Timeline. <laughs> I, sh I should copy and paste some of our text messaging, actually, because that would be quite humorous, too. But no, I'm not going to do that because that's just wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you very much for the time that you spend in between um, reading these things and um, and for obviously taking the time to talk to me as well. It's always nice to talk to my brother. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, man. Thank you for um, for, for inviting me on again. It was uh, it was it's was very, it was very nice. I've, I've had a pleasurable hours chat. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. Stop, stop, stop. And a mic.